Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Steph. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors. And our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With Kobo Writing Life, authors can now publish audiobooks and ebooks right in their KWL account. We don't ask for exclusivity, and you'll always control your pricing in up to 16 currencies. You can also create a pre-order for your audio and ebooks with no date limitations. We have a lot of great promotional opportunities for Kobo Writing Life authors available in the Promotions tab right in their KWL dashboard. If you're an author and you don't have access to the Promotions or Audiobooks tab, email us at writinglife@kobo.com and we'll get you sorted. We're all about providing excellent support. Create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. Happy writing! Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's Inc. Welcome to episode 63, Writer's Inc. podcast. What's up, fellas? Hey, how you doing? What's up? So the, the Wicked Witch to my west has returned. Am I she's to your back. Oh. My, my, my neighbor, yeah. Like she, she snuck in over the weekend, and I should have known something was up because the sky got like a little dark, and like it just it felt a little colder than it probably should have. And <laughs> I, I didn't hear any birds, and there were no animals running around outside. But yeah, she, she slunk, slunked in. Is that a word? Slinked in? Slunked in? Um, she, she pulled in right behind her husband, so she must have had her car at the airport or something, and then just quickly like ducked in the house, and we haven't seen her since. But yeah, there, there's a, a, a shadow hanging over the neighborhood. Um, and something else is back, the ACOS. So, ah, oh, did it yeah, come so, back? Yeah, so we were talking I about my the, ads in a couple of days. That's okay. So, so you had it too. That whatever that. Yeah, I mean, it was gone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So they replaced it with that other thing. I, I don't know. I, I still didn't haven't figured out what that other thing really meant. You know, like I just I saw the column there and I didn't really dig into it too much. But um, as of this morning, ACOS is back. That's gone, and I guess we're just all pretending it didn't happen. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, along the lines of pretending it didn't happen, uh, I, I I don't know if this is going to be hot off the press by the time it the episode airs, but there's word that uh, Audible is or ACX is going to break out the returns on reports. Mm. So a uh, little update on Audible Gate and sort of all of that uh, all of that tomfoolery that uh, that was involved in the returns. It, 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 that's what the word is. Whether you know we'll believe it when we see it, but that's apparently where it's headed. The last I heard on that is they were supposed to change their return policy, I think, as of January 1, right? Like you you could only return a book if you had it for seven days or less um, versus, versus yeah. before, which I think it was 365 days. They gave you a full year. Um, so, yes, yeah, so yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, that, that was, that was good proactively, but there were still a lot of questions around <laughs> what about the past, <laughs> you know, yeah. X number of years and returns. And, and so hopefully, uh, I, I don't know if they'll make the reports retroactive. I guess that's, that's to be seen as well. Like if they just break out returns from this point on, that's okay. But I think that a lot of people want some more transparency in the accounting. 
Well, I do know that they're talking to, to um, Authors Guild, um, and those conversations are ongoing, but they're behind closed doors. So, you know, all, all I know is, you know, the, the whispers that I've heard from other people that are standing on the other side of that door with a glass against it. Um, from what I've heard, uh, that they're probably going to push. It still feels like this is going to head into some kind of lawsuit. So even yeah. if they don't release this information at this point, I think it's going to come out, you know, in, in the wash. The attorneys are going to subpoena it or, or whatever. Um, but you can't, they're, they're not going to be able to pretend it didn't happen and just move on. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting is, <clears throat> you know, that, that was my first thought when Jay started saying, you know, is it going to be retroactive or not? But, I mean, if it doesn't, there's clearly going to be a class action lawsuit going on. So, I mean, they're you would think they're probably going to have to put those numbers out one way or the other at some point, you know, so they may as well do it while they can save some face, you would think, but uh, this is, this is Amazon we're talking about. So who knows what they'll do. Yeah. And this seems to be more of an an indie thing too, because I've talked to a lot of traditional authors and they either aren't impacted by this or they're not sure how they're impacted by it. Mm. Um, But I I haven't found a single traditional, um, traditionally published um, author yet that that is really wrapped up in this or, or watching it closely. Interesting. I, I can yeah. tell you, in looking at my contracts, they they seem to be a little bit different. I think the return policy is different on on traditionally published stuff versus what they give to to people running directly through ACX. But um, you know, it's so convoluted. You know, the language it's it's really difficult to tell. Yeah. Well, we'll just keep up and see what happens. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So uh, before we get into the episode today, we're going to be talking about uh, story rubric and non-fic rubric. Uh, which I'm excited to kind of reveal or, or roll out. Um, we'll get into that. Uh, before so, before we get into it, just a reminder that we have both uh, in real life and virtual tickets available for the Career Author Summit 2021, which we can now say is this year. Uh, it is September. Um, all indications are that uh, the the live event should go forward, but you know, things change rapidly here. Uh, 2020 taught us that. So, um, you know, it would be virtual if it's not uh, in real life, but we do have tickets available. And um, we have some surprises we're going to reveal probably in February, uh, some additions to to the event that are going to be really exciting. So a little teaser there, but if you're interested, head on over to thecareerauthor.com slash events, and you can grab yourself a ticket. What are the dates on that? Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to stump you. Yeah, stump this early, it, 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 dude. Right we're not thinking that far ahead. <laughs> it's it's September. It's mid September. Yeah, right, middle Zach? September. It's September. Like I want to say seventeenth or eighteenth like or that, something yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. around then. So yeah, you're just, if you get on, you're just gonna vac- to the... you're, you're gonna vaccinate people right there at the door. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that'll be like the uh, you know the cocktail hour before will be uh, sponsored by Moderna. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. A a a. A famous financial guru who we will not mention on air had a party with 1,800 people right down the street from where it's going to be. So maybe we'll be okay. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> like so, recently? I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that. Christmas party. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was all over the news. So, yeah. So Google it if you want to know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's birthday is coming up on Sunday, and that, that's, that sucks. Like, I just had my 50th, and it was just, you know, her, me, and her daughter, you know, which I, I don't need a big party. I'm cool with that. But so That's you know, Jay's like, dream right there. That's his best party ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah, I want to do something special for her. And, like, like she cooked me this awesome dinner. Like, the only time of the year I get to eat pierogies is, is my birthday because it's, you know, like, everything about them is wrong and bad for me, but they taste <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So she always makes me a big pierogi dinner and, um, you know, it cooks, it bakes me, like, this awesome cake. And, like, I can't do anything 
that stuff. I can't even boil water without screwing it up. So like, there's no way I can cook or anything. And like, I, I wanted to take her out to a restaurant and like, you can do that. Um, but you know, like we're both so skittish of, of going and like, I don't think it would be any fun. Um, so I don't know what we're going to end up doing. I think I'm probably gonna have to give her like a coupon for a rain check, you know, like a date six months from now or, so, or something. <laughs> That'd be nice. It'd work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, you guys ready to get into the topic here? Story rubric. Let's go. So within my, my mastermind community, I started asking people and I said, uh, you know, would you be interested in, in something like that would help with that? So I, I, I went back to something I started using in the early 90s in my classroom called a rubric. And uh, there'll be links in the show notes if you want to check this out. But a rubric is, it's a basically a, like a supercharged checklist. And the idea is you set the criteria for excellence before you start working on the project. And then you have a way of measuring it. So it's like a grading system. So I, I took the rubric from my time as an educator and I transported that into the author world. And I came up with this idea of a story rubric. So there's a story rubric for fiction and it's called Nonfic Rubric for Nonfiction. And I have the dot coms for both of those. So uh, if you want to hit those up, you can check it out. So the idea was to create this tool, but I didn't, um, I felt like it was important enough that I, I wanted to make it as easily accessible as possible. So I've licensed it under the Creative Commons 4.0 licensing, which basically means anyone can take this rubric, adapt it, distribute it. You can use it commercially. You can use it with your clients, with your critique groups. Uh, it's completely open sourced. That, that, that's the idea. And I'm encouraging people to send me adaptations and variations, which I'll include on these websites. So that's sort of a, a general overview of what this tool is. Um, anything, any questions about that before I get into like what it is and versus what it isn't? The idea is that you take, you take the, like the show don't tell was like the, the light bulb that's like, okay, this is what has to be addressed. And then it was, what are the other things that that uh, we struggle with or things that we need to check on a manuscript. Passive voice is another example. So I tried to bundle all of those into a rubric and the show don't tell is, is one of those categories. And this is also, I guess, another thing to clarify, this is an editing tool, um, correct? Yes. So, um, you know, some of our listeners might be familiar with three story method uh, from, you know, what, what Zach and I published for the career author. And that was more like a method or a process or uh, like an instructional tool. Um, that is not what story rubric is. So uh, it, it's not a, a, it's not a process. It's not going to teach you how to write. It's not going to teach you how to revise or how to publish. Um, it's not a course or a program. It's not a guide or a resource. Um, really what it is, it functions more like a report card or a scoreboard or a, or even a to-do list. It, it's I was going to say, it's a, it could tool. almost be like a checklist if you use it yes. to, that way. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, uh, it's almost like a pre and post flight checklist. So you can check like before you begin, you can check the things that you want to be paying attention to. And then when you finish, you can, you can go back and look and say, did I hit those? Like, did I, did I reach those, those stages? So it, it's, um, and I think the other valuable thing is it's, it's a way to standardize language uh, between an author and him or herself or other people. It's, it's a way to provide feedback or critique in a way that isn't just purely subjective. Honestly, report card was the first thing that popped into my head when I looked through it because, um, you know, I, I deal with a lot of mentoring clients and I'm trying to teach these things. And, and like you said, I, we, we tend to see the same problems over and over again, and you just nailed a couple of them. Um, but, you know, I'm almost at the point now where, you know, like I could do a cut and paste of the same response. You right. Know, like it doesn't make sense yeah. for me to send, you know, 
two paragraphs on passive voice to somebody that I've already said before, like why, you know, reinvent the wheel. Um, so like I could literally take the story rubric and kind of go through it and, and circle, you know, like here, here's where you are with dialogue. Here's where you are with passive voice. Here's where you are with this, with that. Um, and, and save a lot of time there because it, every, these problems are, are, they're, they're not new. You know, like these are things that you tend to see in, in every beginner's manuscript and they, everybody does it and they've got to be worked out. Yeah, and I and, and that's really where it came from. Like, it's not a report card in a traditional sense in that there's a letter grade attached to it. It's more of a spectrum. And I think what's more powerful about a rubric versus, say, a, a, a numbering ranking system or a letter grade system is that you get description. So, uh, for example, the rubric is comprised, every category is comprised of four columns. And the columns are uh, underdeveloped, fair, good, and excellent. And for each category, there's a short description that describes uh, what is underdeveloped versus what is excellent. And it's specific to that category. So for example, if, if you pop open the story rubric and you look at the first line, it's, it's character, characterization. Underdeveloped would be characters are not distinctive or unrelatable, unlikable, have no distinctive voice or behavior. An excellent characterization would be Characters are unique, engaging, realistic, dynamic, and likable. Readers can become raving fans of the characters, quoting lines to their friends, and dressing like them in cosplay. So you know, a bit of hyperbole there, but the idea is that that's a spectrum of characterization. And uh, and when you look at the assessment piece, you clearly want to be you want to be in the excellent column. But it shows you what underdeveloped, fair, good, and excellent looks like for that category. So let me ask you a question, um, and I, hopefully I'm not jumping too far ahead. But um, and I would encourage anyone who's listening, especially with the question I'm about to ask, um, to go to Story Rubric at uh, StoryRubric.com, right? Right. And uh, just check, look at this. It's Jay's not collecting email addresses or anything. You can literally pull this right up in Google. Yeah, I'm not. There's no, there's yeah. no buy-in for anything, right? Yeah. So. Um, like the way you see, it's funny. It's funny looking at it because you guys are kind of looking at it from a different angle than I am, and it's showing how our brains work differently. So, and I think Jay, when you first showed me this, this kind of reflects on some of the feedback I gave you. You guys are looking at it as like a report card and thinking of it as a coach going to a client, almost like uh, the way you guys are talking about. It, it's almost like if you guys were looking at a manuscript, you would like fill this out and like put grades quote unquote on it and then give it back to the author. So what if I'm, I'm looking at almost like a to-do list, like these are things I need to check when I'm editing my manuscript. So like how, how would you, if I'm an author and I go and look at this and I'm, I've written the first draft of my book and I'm ready to sit down and edit like a J in your eyes and the way you wrote this and saw this, how, how would you recommend an author use this on their own manuscript? Yeah. Great question. And this is how, this is how this was done when I used it in the classroom. So I, I started, I wrote my, my first rubric in like 1994, I think it was. Uh, one of the problems I had, and, and you guys might appreciate this, but um, like when you were in school, if you had to write an essay and, and the teacher said, okay, you, you write this essay and then you write it and, and then you would get it back and there would be like a B on it. And you would be like, well, why is it a B? And, and yeah. the, the teacher was like, well, because you didn't do this, this, and this. And my first thought as a student was, well, why didn't you tell me that <laughs> before I wrote the essay, <laughs> right? Like, why didn't you explain to me what a B was? But a, lot, but a lot of times, and I'm speaking as a former English teacher, you don't get that. It's more of a feel that the teacher has. So what I did when I started writing these rubrics is I gave a blank rubric to my students when I introduced the project or when I introduced the assignment. And I would say, here's how you're going to be graded. I'm telling you right now, if you, if you have everything in the excellent column, you're going to get an A 
because you, you will have met excellence. And so I think that's how I would approach it. I, mm. would, I, would say, I would back up and say, before you begin your project, familiarize yourself with the story rubric and look at, look at the columns and look at what excellent means for all of these and, and be thinking about that as you're drafting, as you're developing your story. And then when you're done, it's almost like you're self-validating, like you're going back and saying, yes, I did do this. Now, granted, this takes some level of, uh, of self-knowledge to be able to, to do this, which is why I think it's easier to use it with an accountability partner or a critique group or an editor. But you could, if you had a level of self-awareness and you were honest about your work, you could look at the descriptions in the columns and see if you match them. And if you don't like those descriptions, you could write your own. So you could take the character uh, and, and you could define what underdeveloped versus excellent means to you and then assess your progress based on the criteria you've, you've established. I, go ahead, J.D., sorry. Oh, I was just going to say... Um, yeah. A lot of the people that I work with, particularly the ones that are on a first novel, I don't know how many of them would actually be able to make a lot of these determinations themselves. I think that's why they're yeah. going to other people. Right. Um, and, and that could be why I'm looking at this more as, you know, like from the mentoring stuff that I do. Like this this allows me to, you know, circle literally, you know, wh where, where they're falling short and give them a gold star in the places where, where they're not and, and teach them what to focus on. I think I, I could easily tell every single one of them, yeah, you need to root out passive voice. Um, you know, before they start, but a lot of them don't necessarily even understand what passive voice is until I, you know, highlight a sentence in their novel and say, well, this is, you know, what you wrote, this is how it should be. Um, but I, I can see the benefits of this on, on both sides, I think, but um, there, there's definitely a learning curve involved there. Like, like you said, you've got to be completely aware of what each of these things mean um, and, and be able to identify them in your own work, which is a very tricky thing. It's, it's very similar to just self-editing. Yeah, yeah that, that's where I was going to go. Go ahead, Zach. That's well, exactly I was going to say, say, like, uh, yeah, I think for I think for a, an editor or for someone who's mentoring someone on a project, what you guys are saying, the way you're looking at it's great. I think the key thing Jay said that I love, because I was looking at this strictly as an editing tool and like a way for me to go through and check my manuscript when I'm done. But what I love that Jay said is like, this is almost, you know, not to plug one of our books or whatever, but, you know, I, I think about the last chapter in Three Story Method, which says, what next? Well, this could be next. You could, as the author, you could like familiarize yourself with story rubric, especially if you're early on, because as we know, like the more books you publish, like the, the more you're going to lean towards that right column on your first draft, because you're going to, we, we, we get this stuff and we hear it enough from editors. Like you're using your info dumping, you're using passive voice, your characters are flat. Like we hear all that stuff enough. Um, but I almost feel like you could, like, that'd be your next step where, you know, you've got your ready to write your book. But before you do that, because Jay and I, like the whole idea about three story method was, um, you know, to, to save time, like, cause I hate editing, like to save time and editing later. So like figure out as much as you can up front where you can edit less later. And, and this kind of, this goes hand in hand in that, because if you are thinking about this stuff before you start writing your book, you are going to have less problems in theory, when uh, when you go to edit the book. So I think that that differentiation of like when to use it, um, you know, as far as like if you're the author before and then an editor to use it as like a report card type thing. Oh, I, I love that. 
even with um you know like i'm look obviously I, this is something i could use as a mentor for sure but yeah. you know, i use a number of beta readers on each of my own books like this is something oh, i could yeah. give to each each beta reader and let them you know more or less grade the novel because a lot of times you know you get feedback from them and that you know something doesn't work but they can't quite explain why it doesn't work because they're not authors they just know that you know they put the book down like one of the exercises i go through with my beta readers is i tell them if there's any particular place where you find yourself skimming um highlight it you know i just i want to know um and i also tell them to mark like anytime they put the book down um to do something else I, I have them mark that particular page because i want to know you know why they decided that was a good spot to put the book down and that could be as simple as you know like it's time to cook dinner i have to put the book down but i want to know where they're making that determination in the story that it's okay to stop um, but a lot of times, you know, the, the end reader or beta reader can't explain why they're doing these things. And if you give them something like this, you know, where they're going through and, and answering these questions, almost like a survey, uh, it, it gives you the information that you need as the author to go back and, and zero in on those those problem areas. Yeah. And I love that. Like that's and that's why I made it Creative Commons. Like I would love to see authors take this and adapt it. Like I hadn't even thought about a beta reader like that. That's that's excellent. Like I, you could almost drop these into a Google form and have your beta reader click on the radio button that corresponds to underdeveloped, fair, good, or excellent, and get really great feedback from a beta reader and make it really easy on them. So all they have to do is like, like you said, circle the box or click the button and, and, and give you the, the feedback you need. So there, there are gonna be applications for this that I think are gonna, I, I hope are gonna extend far beyond where it started. And, and that's why I'm encouraging people to uh, send me variations of this or send me ways that you use it because I'm just one guy. Like I don't, I'm putting this out there and I have no idea where it's going to go. But um, any, any of those kinds of ideas as people use this and adapt it and find different, different uses for it, share that with me. And, and then I'll, sh I'll share it back out to the greater community. I mean, another one just off the top of my head last year, I was part of the, the Thriller Awards and I had to, you know, read, I, there were almost 300 books on that, that list. Um, and I think there were five or six different um, reviewers in each category. And I was, I was on the um, novel of the year. Um, but we were basically allowed to, we, we created our own metrics You know, we had to rate all the oh. books on our, on our own scale. So each person basically came up with their own like this. If something like this were used in a process like that, you could at least unify the process. So everybody is grading on the same. Yeah. Like, apples to same apples. Way. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that's, you know, and not only the thriller awards, I mean, obviously any, any of the awards out there, but something like that, this is just a great way to get everybody on the same page and, and to hone in on the good and the bad. Yeah, and it's something that's starting to happen in my writing community uh, in, in using this. Is like it, it, there, there's a real value and there's a real power in uh, unifying language and using the same terms and, and the same terminology. And, and I think that's kind of what, what Zach and I started with three-story method when we came up with conflict, choice, and consequence. And now when I have conversations with people in my writing community, we all know what that means. Like we, we, just, we, we just talk about, oh, that's, that choice isn't, isn't strong enough. And everyone knows what that means. And so I think this has the potential to be that in wider applications. Uh, and again, like adapting it, like if I could see in a, like if I were going to run an awards uh, or even like if I'm a, a publisher and I want submissions, I could use this as a submissions filter. You know, um, it would be an easy way to give writers feedback if, if you're if you're going to reject their submission but you could send them back a rubric, at least, you know, you're taking a few seconds and giving them some valuable feedback that they could use later on. It would be really helpful. 
Yeah, that would be fantastic for agents. Um, agents, know, like, yeah. Like my, my agent, I know for a fact that she she types up pretty detailed letters when she rejects something and tells them specifically what's wrong. But there's plenty of them out there that either don't respond at all or they give you that one little sentence, you know, sorry, not for me, or, you know, something along those lines. And, and this definitely would give them the ability to at least give them some reasons behind that decision. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's someone tech-savvy enough out there that could come up with a version of this that was just clickable, like, in you know, in... in three minutes you could click through all of these and hit send and, and send that off to someone uh and without having to type up the same because i'm sure your agent types the same thing a lot of the same things to to people because that she's seeing the same thing over and over again yeah absolutely sorry um, I'm, I'm sitting here reading the nonfiction one <laughs> <laughs> i'm sitting here looking at it this is interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't even look at that one. I mean, these kind of tools are, I mean, from a mentor standpoint, it's very helpful because, you know, like Save the Cat is another one that I tend to give out quite a bit just because, you know, if somebody doesn't understand basic story structure, you know, at least I can give them a, a, something that they can use to kind of fill in the blanks and steer them in the right direction. And, and you know, these kind of tools are definitely useful when it comes to that. Um, I, I personally think you can get a lot of this knowledge just from reading. If you if you read a lot, you know, like you're going to pick up on story structure. You're going to pick on pick up on the, you know, the things that are marked off as excellent on here uh, versus the other way around. Um, but this, this is definitely a great way to isolate problems. Yeah, and, and the, the nonfiction one is similar but different. So uh, obviously, because it's, you know, it's a different beast. Uh, and, and I don't, I'm not as confident with, with some of, uh, you know, I haven't written as much nonfiction long form as I have fiction. So I'm a little less confident in it. But again, these are livable, working, organic documents. This is version 1.0. So if you're a listener and, you're, and you're, your world is really nonfiction and you look at nonfic rubric and you have feedback, let's get version 1.1 up there, you know, like let's, let's start, uh, let's start making this better together. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential here to create something that can be, you know, widely used uh, for, for many people. Now you've got a submission form on that same website. Is that part of this process? Yes. So if, uh, if you go to either of the, either of the dot coms, there's a little intro video at the top, a short explanation. I've made uh, all the documents available as a Word document, uh, a Google doc or a printable PDF. And then there's a form that says submit adaptation or variation for distribution. So if you send me your name, your email, and you send me a Word doc file, I'll add it to the page. Just be aware that the Creative Commons 4.0 licensing, the way it works is that anybody can make any adaptation and use it uh, for any purpose, even commercially. Um, but they must, uh, they must provide attribution that it started at storyrubric.com. And, and they cannot copyright it. So any variation of this is also Creative Commons 4.0. So that's just good for people to know. Interesting. Man, I'm, I, I tell you, I'm like really excited to see the feed, more feedback you get on this. And to like even, I mean, look, just the conversation with us, like we're all thinking of different ways to use it. Like yeah. JD bringing up um, like arcs and stuff. I mean, that's like, I think that that is um, – that could be genius, you know, like to, to, to actually be able to send that somebody to figure out like what they really thought of the book, you know, and then um, even him thinking, even him bringing up the awards and stuff and kind of ways to do that. And uh, you know, if, if you were a, um, you know, someone taking submissions for like an anthology or something, this would be great. You know, something like that. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of interesting ways and ways that the three of us aren't even thinking about that other people will who come to this. Yeah. I mean, you could get, you could brand this as your own. Like you could take this word document, put your own image at the top. 
uh, all you had to do is leave the attribution to me at the bottom, but you can completely adapt it. So for example, like Zach, you could have a zombie category <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and like you could have uh, zombies that are underdeveloped versus excellent. And you could decide as the author, you know, the type of zombies you'd like to see in a story, where what they look like when they're underdeveloped, fair, good, and excellent, and have your specific reader rate your zombies in your story. So you can you can get very specific and, and detailed and, and really customize it to, to whatever you need it for. Yeah, I mean, you could even, uh, I, I could even see having a, a, a genre-specific rubric, you yes. know, which is kind of what you're saying, I guess, in a way, like, you know, you and I, of course, write post-apoc and, you know, so we know with characterization, you've kind of got the lone wolf protagonist who eventually gets forced in with a group of people and stuff. So like, are they hitting those? And then, you know, we know all the genre expectations and stuff like you could really narrow it down. You know, romance obviously has a bunch, um, you know, so it's uh, I, I think that's really, really interesting all the different ways people could go with this. Yeah, the power is really in the structure. I mean, that's yeah. that's what it does. It provides structure. Uh, it provides an assessment structure in a discipline that's hard to define, <laughs> right? Like on the surface, when you say like, is that a good book? It's like, well, how do you define a good book? Like so much of it is taste or opinion. And, and that's great, but that's not very helpful to an author. Like I've gotten feedback from editors or potential editors who said, mm, this just didn't really work for me. Like, what do you do with that? Like, how do you, you know, how do you improve it? That doesn't really, that doesn't really help. Whereas if someone says, well, you know, your genre expectations aren't really understandable. And so the reader's not going to know what the story is about. Well, like that's actionable. And I think that's what this tool does is it gives, it gives you a framework to work from and get specific about things you need to fix. Now, I'm thinking about it, uh, arcs because I, I get so many of them, you know, where people asking me to blurb them and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, like there, there's some that just, I don't feel are blurb worthy. Um, so I'm wondering if like this is the better response, you know, because right now my current response is I just haven't been able to read it yet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just kind of shy away and, until they, they decide to move on. Um, I, I don't know how an author would react to that. You know, like if their book is about to come out and you send them something like this and, and point out particular problems. I mean, there's I can see the benefits to doing that, um, particularly if it's a, a self-published novel and there's still time to fix it. Um, but if it's a novel that's coming out of one of the, you know, the top five, um, you know, that's already carved in stone. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. I mean, I'm reading an ARC right now that's, that's coming out of Penguin Random House. It's a, you know, for the most part, the, the first 90% of the book are, are, is really strong, but the ending is just, it needs some work, but you know, it, it's not going to happen. It's, it's too yeah. late. It's too far down the pipeline for that. Um, it's too bad because I, I could see shooting this back. That would be kind of funny. Just to I know. I'm I'm who gonna, is I'm this pretentious it, jerk? <laughs> I'm going to send it back me. to Random House and say, well, this is the reason I'm not blurbing it. Here's five pages. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll try that and see how it works out. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking. I'm. I like. I, I want to send this to my editor and see what she thinks. And uh, I mean, because Jay knows how much she loves to put long-winded comments in uh in in manuscripts. I love you, Jennifer. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but I'm really curious to see what how what she would you know do with it and and what she would think. I, I think I'm going to send this to her and see. What yeah, she says. I think if you're if you're relatively new to writing and publishing, the best approach would be to maybe get a, a critique partner and agree to use the rubric for each other. Or if you have an editor uh, that you go to and ask your editor to, to use it. I, I think as an editor, if I got something like this versus just sort of anecdotal comments, I would, I would be thrilled. Like this would give me more structure and it would allow me to be more honest. 
because you know I, I'm like, well, this is what the rubric says. Like this is this is where you score in the rubric. It's not necessarily my opinion. I'll, I'll tell you what else it does is, and 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 this is one of the things that Jennifer really appreciates about me is it shows your willingness to learn as an author and that you want to get better. And you know, because when I first you know started working with Jennifer, I told her I said. You know, I, I, I want you to school me. I want to get better because I want you to have less problems as we move on together because I'm looking at a long-term relationship. And now we've put, we've written like, we've done like 25 books together and she knows me so well. And she's, and, and she even made the comment. She's like, I've seen how much you, like, I don't, I know the things I need to worry about and I don't anymore, you know? And so like, it shows your willingness that you actually want to put in the effort and you want to learn and you want to get better at your craft. And I think an editor would recognize that. And I know if I was editing and someone gave that to me, I'd be like, okay, this person really is like on their stuff and I'm really gonna, you know, try to work with them really well. well I teach a master class or I just taught one for ITW and I'm doing it again for um, their virtual thriller fest in July. So I, I may break this out for that because each, each person in the class, and I think I had six students this time around, um, they each submit a, a writing sample and it's usually the first or second chapter of their book. And, and this would be a great way to, if anything, for me to grade it and also to, to get a, a good dialogue going between the group. You know, if the entire group used this to grade a particular writing submission, then we could all, you know, kind of compare notes to see if we, you know, if our report cards basically come out looking the same. You know, if, if, if six different people spot the same problem, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to isolate it and, and correct it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's great. And if, if you guys, you know, if you use this, like if, if you take it to Jennifer or Zach or if JD use it, you know, um, let me know how it works. And, and especially if you make variations or adaptations that kind of suit the specific job that you have, um, let me know. I, I, I'd love to share that out. Like I said, I, I feel like this is just the beginning of this. I have no idea where it's going to go, but it's, it's just too valuable of a tool. And, and I'm, I've been so disappointed in education for so long because uh, rubrics are, are, they're more standardized now, but th there's still a long way to go. And there's still too many English teachers and writing teachers who just put a letter on a paper and circle it and let you figure out why it's that. And, uh, and I think this solves that problem. Nice. All right. Cool. Good job, dude. It, Thanks, it's, man. it's really good. And, you know, we'll, I'm sure me and JD will keep spinning our brains and, and give you more feedback. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, any listeners, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. Um, I think, you know, a great question for, for the audience is how do you evaluate your manuscript now? So if you're, if you're doing it yourself, if you have a critique partner or you work with an editor, what, what is the, what is the framework or the system or, or, uh, the criteria that you're using to determine whether or not you've done a good job and, uh, would love to know that. So. Nice. All right. Uh, so yeah, as we wrap up here, just a few quick reminders. Uh, next week, um, we have uh, a, a different kind of guest. Uh, he wrote a book and it's a different kind of book. I'm teasing a little bit, but uh, we have Danny Zalisco on and, and, and Danny's uh, one of the, uh, a legendary concert promoter. Uh, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation that we have about uh, some of his time backstage with uh, some of the some of the world's biggest rock and roll bands, including uh, the Grateful Dead and uh, and Alice Cooper and and uh, many many more. So uh, definitely come back for that. That's going to be a fun conversation. 
I can't wait because that was kind of the tail end of my career with RCA Records. Uh, I, I got shut down because I got in a really bad motorcycle wreck and it kind of put me out of commission for a couple of years. But I, I was renting concert venues and, and clubs and, and booking things. And I was backstage at so many concerts. And the world that happens backstage is, is so different from, from what people expect. And it, it's such a crazy environment and all the moving parts that have to come into, into play to make a, something like that happen. I, I, can't wait to hear, I can't wait to hear the guy. Yeah, yeah. And the book, uh, what we're going to be talking about is book. There's some great stories in there. So that, that'll be coming up next week. So that's it. As we take it out, uh, if you want to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash writers inc podcast. And uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you'll get some bonus episodes from us, a uh, monthly Q&A. And if you like the podcast, uh, spread the word about writers inc to all your writer friends. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers, Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.